you like, I like, we all like roguelikes. Unless you're on a diet, then it's rogue light. Today on... Press B to cancel. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. <laughs> Every time. Pulse didn't do the music. I had to do something. I, I did. It just never came through. Sorry. It was a comfortable silence, and you had to ruin it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Press B to Cancel. That's us. I'm Sick Jake, your host this week. But never alone. Oh, no. You may be alone in the dungeon, but not with these co-hosts. Welcome, GP, from the therapy couch. How you doing, GP? I'm alone. That was probably the creepiest intro I've ever done. Hi, everybody. It's good to see you. You know we can't see you, right? <laughs> and also in the bushes, <laughs> Paul Schwan 9. Paul, how you doing? Well, way to give it away. Okay. How's it going? And be escorting into the back of a squad car, Werewolf. How you doing, sir? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> And who says improv is hard? <laughs> Not us. No, sir. Oh. This week we're talking about roguelikes or roguelite and the difference, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, we're going to start with the original game. Obviously, this is a genre today that is, well, being as popular as it used to be a couple of years ago, but it was, it felt like, you know, every other week there would be a new Metrovania or roguelike game. But rogue is the original from 1980-something. And Paul's just going to talk a little bit about what that game and what it was. Wait, what? I am? Oh, crap. Well, I hope so. Do you need to consult <laughs> your mind palace? No, I'm good. I'm good. No, uh, actually, I was reading about this in a book recently. So it was like vintage games. So it was talking about the original like PC games, you know, Amiga, Commodore 64, all the stuff before that. And Rogue was actually... Something that came out in 1980. It was actually called Rogue Exploring the Dungeons of Doom. And yeah, so it came out in around 1980. And it was originally freeware. So it was just almost like a like a project game that some guys made. And eventually it got it started out free. But it eventually got sold for numerous platforms like Amiga, Commodore 64, and Atari. It was just a game that started out... The concept was basically playing something like a digital version of Dungeons and Dragons, which sounds like really up my alley because the math and stuff in Dungeons and Dragons always confuses the hell out of me. So apparently the original creator or one of the original creators kind of said, well, the computers can do all the dice rolling and all the math for you. And then so basically he wanted to make this as close to a Dungeons and Dragons experience as he could. So he did that. And, of course, this is early days of computing, so you're not going to expect high-end graphics. It actually is mostly ASCII art, so, you know, the Rafflecopter, you know, if you're familiar with that, you may feel comfortable with uh, playing some Rogue. So the premise is pretty simple. You're looking for the Amulet of Yendor at the bottom of the dungeon, and you start at the top. You fight monsters along the way. There's essentials, like, you know, standard armor, weapons, potions, scrolls, stuff like that. It's turn-based, which is very early for this, so Final Fantasy was not 
the first, you know, <gasps> and it's still hard for me to, to believe that. Even though I, I knew that all along, it still kind of makes me a little iffy. And there's also permadeath, which means, sorry Diablo fans, the hardcore mode was around almost two decades before your favorite dungeon crawler was even out. Main thing that people realize is Rogue is a procedurally generated map, has procedurally generated maps. No dungeons the same as last. If you die, you start off lost again, and there's have to find your way. There's no saving. So actually, like a lot of the early video games, Rogue was popular around college and college students. And various programmers or tech-savvy folks were heavily into the game, and future roguelikes owe a lot to the basics of this game it established so many years ago. But this wasn't the first game with procedurally generated levels, though. But it was the first to take the idea and become a success with it. So we're basically talking Rogue is the VHS to beta here. What was the first game to do procedural levels? It was like Zork or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Okay, right. So Zork did that? Wasn't it, that text-based? It was text-based, but it? there's there's some random elements to it. So oh. uh, maybe Z maybe I'm thinking something else. Maybe Zork was just like uh, something that one of the creators was playing. I remember it was mentioned, but well, apparently... Look into the recesses of my mind palace. <laughs> I feel like a procedurally generated text-based RPG would be a nightmare. Yeah, you'd think so. Both to produce and to play. Yeah, well, I could, like I said, I could be wrong. So, but Zork was definitely an inspiration. So as this, that's what I should have said. Beneath Apple Manor, from nineteen seventy-eight. <laughs> that could have been it. Oh, Maze Craze. That's <laughs> Maze the popular Craze. one that everybody references. Maze Craze from nineteen seventy-eight on there the Atari. Go. Of course, yes, I knew all of this. <laughs> I recall now. It used an algorithm to generate random top-down mazes for every game. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Rogue is ASCII art, I guess it's like, I'm trying to boil it down to what the defining elements are of Rogue, and it was probably, you know, no sprites, so ASCII art for sure. Permadeath. Yeah. And there's no sure coding it. Like, some games will do permadeath these days, but you're accumulating something on the side, even if your character dies. You're unlocking classes or items or something, but Rogue was literally from the beginning when you die. Um, so those are two things. And I want to say, for a game that's almost 40 years old, I've had lots of time to play it. I've never played it. <laughs> so, Yeah, neither have I. Actually, I don't know if any of us have played it. Paul, you haven't played it, have you? <laughs> no, I was just reading about it. So. And GP, you ever play Rogue? Uh, no, no, I have not. Right, so. No, I've only played a clone. And, and that's the thing, too, is for a game that is named after the, or the genre of the name of the game, it fits because a lot of people, most people, I would say, that are gamers anyway, have played a rogue type of game. But you'll hear two terms thrown back and forth, rogue-likes and rogue-lite. Not to be confused with diet rogue. Yeah, is one fewer calories? <laughs> <laughs> Allow me to explain. First off, let's, let's take a trip back to around 2011. Because that's when I figured out what the difference was. I started seeing a lot of games being touted as roguelikes. And then you'd get the, the angry fans in the forums talking about how, oh, it's not a roguelike. It's a roguelike-like. Because it doesn't meet all the criteria of what a roguelike <laughs> is. So apparently, a roguelike is a game that plays almost identically to rogue in terms of mechanics. Not necessarily ASCII art-based, but tile-based gameplay turn-based where you know you take a turn everything else takes a turn everything moves at once and it's an rpg 
It's got permadeath. It's got procedurally generated dungeons or worlds or whatever have you. Whereas roguelites sort of pick and choose features from that list and implement them how they see fit. So the first game that made me look into what these were was Dungeons of Dreadmore. But I was seeing it tossed around with Dungeons of Dreadmore and Binding of Isaac. Binding of Isaac is very much not a proper roguelike because it it's active. It's not turn-based. You're constantly moving, constantly shooting. It's like a bullet hell Zelda dungeon crawler kind of thing, right? But it does have the procedurally generated floors. It's It's got some of the RPG elements to it in terms of finding upgrades and shops and things like that. But it's not completely like Rogue, whereas Dungeons of Dreadmore very much is. You go through this random dungeon that's probably going to kill you, and it's hard as balls. I don't think I ever beat maybe the th- the second floor a few times, never the third floor. Like, it's that hard. <laughs> yeah, I played Dreadmore, and I think I lasted 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I liked Dreadmore, but I suck at it. Well, and that's a defining thing, too, I think, for a lot of these games and the genre, is that they're usually quite hard. I mean, not, sometimes they'll put in a mode that makes things a little easier, but usually quite difficult. For me, I think the first proper roguelike I experienced was actually Chocobo Mystery Dungeon for the PlayStation 1. I think that one came out, there's a, 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 well, part of that series got remade for the Switch recently. And I've been on the fence debating whether I should pick up or not, because I like, I like these games. Well, all the Mystery Dungeon games are part of the Mystery Dungeon series, whether they're Nintendo Square or some other company. Namco had one that was Nightmare of Druaga based on Tower of Druaga. And then there's the Chocobo one, there's the Pokemon ones. So they're all part of Mystery Dungeon or Fushigino Dungeon, I think. Yeah, they're all the same style, but they're different IP properties. Same developer, right? Yeah, it's all Chunsoft. Right. Now, for me, it was um, Castle Adventure. I had to go look it up. Actually, the name I used to know as Castle. And it was on my, at the time, I guess my dad's girlfriend. She had an old IBM. And she had a disc with Castle on it. And it it looks like Rogue in terms of like the ASCII graphics. You have to bump into enemies to do combat and pick up items and stuff. But it's not procedurally generated. So that's why I was kind of torn. Like I felt like I played Rogue when I went back and realized I haven't. I played a game that wasn't even procedurally generated. So I'm trying to figure, does procedural generation of levels have to be there to be considered a Rogue-like or a rogue light? It's generally perceived that the procedural generation of worlds is a staple of it, yes. It's not always the case. Like, when you look it up on Wikipedia, Castle Adventure is listed under roguelikes, but so is Binding of Isaac, so... (laughs) Well, the the case for Binding of Isaac makes sense to me, though, because uh, it is dungeons, right? The items are all randomized. They're definitely a permadeath game. It's also hard as hell. True. <laughs> so it fits in a lot of the other respects, right? And they also carry some of the other tropes from the, the genre, like um, the idea of potions is in a lot of these games, and the potion effects being tied to a color, but that color combination being different every game. Mm-hmm. Isaac does this just in a different format with the, um, I think it's tarot cards or something? Uh, no, not tarot cards. Tarot cards are the ones that are always the same. It's the pills. The pills, right. So you never know what the pills do until you've, collected it once in that dungeon then you know and they have those randomized effects 
Uh, let me see. GP, how about you? Uh, you've at least played a few roguelikes in your time. What's one that really stands out for you? Well, the uh, the one I, I had set aside, I'm a little bummed about because I, I just found out about three and a half minutes ago that it's not actually a roguelike, and that was Binding <laughs> of Isaac. <laughs> um, of, of course, a, a terribly sad story. Like, for anybody who's who's played it or watched it, I first had seen, he was, we were roommates at the time, he's, he's my cousin, uh, his name is Trevor, and, and he was playing it on, I think it was like the Wii U, and I was just watching it, and I was kind of dumbfounded, I'm like, what the hell is this? This is incredibly macabre and dark and gory, and it's this child is this main star, and then he told me the background of the game, and I'm like, no way! <laughs> and it was from the Super, was it Super Meat, Super Meat Boy? Yeah, Ed McMillan. McMillan, and... Uh, you know, so that that kind of got me looking back at some of those things, and you know, as that was a platformer, this is more the roguelike, uh, although apparently technically not a roguelike unless you're watching or listening to Wikipedia, which on this time I guess I came down on the side of Wikipedia, but uh, yeah, that you know, between that and the first Zelda, those are really kind of the closest things I have to dipping my foot in that pool. See, like I said, when they before the term roguelite appeared, it was people were calling them. Well, those who insisted that they weren't proper roguelikes were calling them roguelike likes, which which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Well, roguelike versus roguelite. Like I said, I kind of want to just say diet rogue. It's easier, to, <laughs> easier to discern. Yeah, rogue zero. Rogue zero. <laughs> Same great rogue taste. Right. <laughs> but you know, I I bet you played other ones though as well. Like you've had to have played Minecraft. You have kids. Uh, no, I've, I've, my kids don't play Minecraft. They are, they're, they're into like Roblox and that's, you know, cool to watch. There's a lot of different servers to play on, but, um, my, my only real exposure to Minecraft is some nephew, uh, sorry, some nephews and nieces of mine are very into it and they, they show me stuff, but I've never really like dove into it. I'm aware of it. You know, it's hard to not know what Minecraft is, but I've never... Uh, people will be like, oh, I just did this in Minecraft. I'm like, I didn't know there was a story mode. <laughs> well, it's that deep Minecraft plot. They made a Netflix movie over it. Did they? Yeah, they totally a did. A few. What, what, is, what is a Netflix? That's another episode, GP. Okay. Does that mean Disney Plus is a Netflix-like? <laughs> it's a light <laughs> Netflix. Or light, yeah, Netflix-like. It's a Netflix. Beat it till it's dead, boys. Come on. I, I, I don't know. So, yeah, like I said, I, I'm really just now kind of, I'm really just kind of finding out that this is its own genre or category. So, like you said, I'm sure I've had more exposure to them, but if I had to sit down and make a list of the things I know I've played or watched being played, uh, like I said, Zelda 1, <laughs> which I'm assuming we're going to count, and then um, <laughs> Binding no. of Isaac is the big one that, that sticks out. Well, Zelda actually is interesting because there are some crossovers right definitely dungeons the item collection combat yes but is it a roguelike no but the big fad and we've talked about this before in past episodes is randomizers randomizers get a lot of influence from rogue games right they take uh, they take your game your nes games or your snes games and randomize the layout of dungeons or the monsters and they kind of make it a roguelike the randomizers are a great way to kind of get into this genre too. And that's a, in a bunch of different games. I think, didn't you play, is it Final Fantasy IV Free Enterprise? Isn't that a randomizer? 
Yeah, but that that I don't put that in that roguelike or roguelite category. I put that in the diet roguelike-ish category. <laughs> Aspartame free in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's totally acesulfame potassium. What? No, sorry. Is that, whoa. Paul, you have blown me. Or you have blown my mind. <laughs> I'm glad you corrected yourself. I was going to say you blew me mind, but then it, <laughs> I stumbled over it. <laughs> so yeah, like, like I said, I, I'm still just kind of finding out that the, there's these subcategories or genres. You know, I, I basically knew of like shmups, beat 'em ups, and platformers and RPGs, and that was my whole world. And then you know, over the past two years of streaming, I've like had my eyes open to all the different potentialities, whatever the word would be. I didn't even know people debated what retro was. So that's that's how noob status I am. So nobody's too shocked, I don't think, that I'm like, what is a roguelike? But yeah, Binding of Isaac is fantastic if you, if you haven't played it. They also did a prequel and a sequel to it. And it, Wait, it's, what? Really? Yeah, there, it's kind of like a loose prequel called, I don't say The Adventures of, but the, the main character is called Bumbo. Legend of Bumbo. The Legend of Bumbo, yeah. That one's a match three. <laughs> Totes. But, I mean, they should have done the, the ballad. That would have been better. The Ballad of Bumbo. But you're kind of like this this you know, homeless character or whatever who... Anyway, long story short, the characters from Binding of Isaac make an appearance in that game, and then they've done... I believe there was a sequel called The Binding of Isaac... Was it Rebirth or Afterbirth or something weird like that? There's a few re-releases, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not so much a sequel as it is a a rebuilt from the ground up version. So it's a reimagining of the original, which has a prequel in the roguelike category. Yes. This is fantastic. Yeah, I want to say this because the guy McMillan and his, the guys he's worked with over the years, like I, I know his stuff from Newgrounds, where it's like internet ages ago. <laughs> like he started with like dead baby dress up flash games. That's what he got his, his five minutes of fame first in. And he's kind of branched out to Super Meat Boy and then Isaac. And his style is very distinctive. Like we said, like macabre and dark and <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> Like it's the story of Isaac is is so messed up, but with the graphics, or at least the main character is cute in a way. It's just bizarre style. Uh, I like it a lot. Although, if they could dial back the poop, just just a little bit, <laughs> maybe get that out of there. I always wanted mods that would change the graphics, and I don't think there was ever one that got rid of the poo. You're messing out, man. It's it's part of the immersion. All right, got to deal with it. Because the like you said. Isaac's such kind of like a cute character, and you hate to see a cutesy little infantile toddler-type character crying and scared. So it really does pull at your heartstrings in a weird way that's like, i got to help this kid out. So I, I don't know. I, well, it may not have been something that would have jumped off of the shelves at me. Uh, and seeing somebody else play it and then just kind of being immediately drawn into it. Because I, I do enjoy the dark, the macabre, and all, all that kind of stuff. I've got a definite side of me that digs the absolute shit out of that. But I, I don't know that had I not seen somebody else play it, I would have ever found it. I think for me, I just like watching people play it. Like the uh, people who get, uh, RNG is a factor, but then you see them get that great combination of items and they just go so far on a run with it. I think it's great. Like there's a RNG, but there's still strategy and pairing the right items together to get the effects you want to, make, to carry through a dungeon, I think was always great. Yeah, like the, the people who really know the game play the meta game really well. That's a bit much for me. I never do that. I, I probably have about 300, of, 300 hours in 
Isaac on the Switch alone, I would just... <laughs> that's probably about an hour per run for most runs just because I take my sweet-ass time <laughs> and I break the crap out of the game. I have so much going on on screen that it actually chokes my Switch down to like <laughs> one frame of animation every second. Ah, the Switch. Optimization. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's that there's hundreds and hundreds of sprites on screen at once. That's how much I break my character to be overpowered. Well, what kind of items are you putting in your character to do that? Like, I know it can get sometimes a little hectic, but... All sorts of upgrades. I, I'm pretty sure I have video recordings of them, or at least screenshots of them. I'll I'll drop some of those in uh, the Discord the day we release this episode. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, Like, I mean, it's bullet hell maybe at times, but I just can't picture it being that crazy. I don't remember it being that crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I make it to where I'm the bullet hell for the enemies. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. I think just the big thing, though, was the differently the combos is what really got me in the strategy. But there's another game that does great when it comes to synergizing skills with randomness. And, Polish, what was your pick for roguelike or light? Well, the criteria has changed, but I was going to go with Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> it counts. No, it's just the first one. Like I, There could have been something on Super Nintendo or something that I played that had a better... Uh, checklist of criteria on there. I don't know, but Diablo is the first one I noticed where it's like, oh, this is different every time. Cool. And then you had the loot, which was another thing, which was also randomized, but at the same time, there was, you know, there's rhyme and reason to both. And, like, both the map and your items, and so that was just mind-blowing to me. So, I kind of like the idea of how far back this has gone, so. That that enough for me is roguelike not diet rogue, but you know, I'm also <laughs> using it in my own my own way. So, <laughs> so when you played Diablo, was it like originally on the PC or no? Yeah, PC. And like I know that sounds blasphemous to some people, but for me, the first time I played the original Diablo was actually on the PlayStation. <laughs> I remember it not being that bad. It was just it was quicker to navigate your inventory on PC. That's all. Yeah, I mean, and, and for sure. And most people played on PC. I eventually got Battle.net on, on the computer and played it. Uh, I remember loving the hell out of that game. Even though, in hindsight, if I were to play it today, it has not aged as well. And I'd probably rather play two or three. But I love the first Diablo. Just, you know, you still have the three classes. Uh, you know, procedural levels. The loot was always fun. The only thing that kind of killed it for me was, was the hacking when you played online. You'd have that one asshole... He'd come into town with you and start dropping the firewalls all around you. And when you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be safe. <laughs> I was too busy duping in my own game. So thankfully I can't remember how to do it anymore. So now I can feel like I can play a, an actual playthrough. <laughs> That's all them cheats. Yeah. And there was, there was like the, the hardcore mode, right? So yeah, the permadeath. That's, an, that's another element, at least on the checklist. Yeah. The only reason I didn't like permadeath in Diablo series was because of lag. More often than not, especially especially Diablo 2 is when I did most of my hardcore characters. And if you're playing online, just one second of lag, and you're dead, and you've lost everything. It used to infuriate me. I used to hate it. Yeah, I could see that. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't play a hardcore. It was nice that the option was there, but I never actually did it. <laughs> I think I, I might have got to something like level 9 or 11 or 12 or something, and that was it. Oh, you never, well, I actually beat it. Um, it was satisfying to beat, but then th there's not much story to the original Diablo. They expanded on that with cutscenes in the second one a lot. 
but the first one was pretty dry once you beat it the first time. But number two is like a classic. But there's another game, uh, Path of Exile, which is basically a Diablo clone. When we're talking about clones of clones, going back to Rogue, <laughs> Path of Exile is a Diablo clone. It also has hardcore characters, but I'll gladly play it there because if a hardcore character dies, you can't play it in the hardcore ladder anymore, but it reverts to a regular character. In practice, you never touch the character ever again because you get the best loot when you're playing the hardcore uh, ladders. So you kind of still, you still played hardcore anyway, and you kind of move past your characters if they died. But something about having that character sitting there on the standard ladder, so I knew if I wanted to, I could still play it, was comforting, even if I never actually did it. <laughs> Whereas Diablo 2, you died. That was it. You, you threw a chair and you started over again, or you, like me, uninstalled it and played something else. <laughs> but I think that's, when it comes to Diablo especially, I love the series, but I think one of the things that used to bug me the most to be Diablo 3 is they started moving away from some of those procedural elements. I think in 3 especially, there are certain areas that were almost always fixed, or there are very large sections of the map that were fixed and not random anymore. And that used to really bug me. Maybe that's why I didn't get into 3 as much. Like, you play 3 with another character, you're, you'll have a serious sense of deja vu. Like, more than you would play in 2. It's just something about the areas just being too much the same. Like if I can navigate a map by memory, <laughs> it's probably a problem. Yeah. Seeing as Isaac has already been touched on, I think I'm going to... I, I, I don't want to just retread that one as my favorite, because it kind of is my favorite roguelite. If we go back to a proper roguelike, one that I've really been digging on is Crypt of the Necrodancer. Oh, that's an awesome one. I think it it ticks all the boxes as a roguelike, but then adds the uh, the rhythm element to it as well. And as much as I liked Cadence of Hyrule, because I played Cadence before I played Necrodancer. Or no, I think I played Necrodancer a few weeks before Cadence came out. But I think I prefer Necrodancer a little bit more to Cadence. It's it's harder. It's hard. It's hard, man. That it, it's so cool though, just for the fact that when was the last time you see a rhythm based game that takes that kind of skill? You know. Yeah, like you're constantly, you're constantly evaluating tactical maneuvers because you can't stop. Otherwise, if you stop, the enemies will keep moving. That's the that's the difference with this one. Is with a standard roguelike, if you stop, everything stops. In this one, every beat is a motion for everybody. So you want to stay on that beat. You can't go too fast, otherwise you screw up your turn and you get stuck where you are. If you go too slow, you basically miss a turn. And that has repercussions in terms of not just missing your turn and letting all the monsters do their thing, but you also might lose multipliers for item drops, say gold, or attacks or other things because your multiplier can affect your defense your attack power how far you can see things like that depending on the type of equipment you have that run like i know for cadence if you're not moving the right rhythm you just can't even hurt some enemies right there's some that you have to hit in a certain angle or you have to have a certain pattern down to get around them like i think in necro it's the dragons i had the most issue with because you have to do the dragon dance in a certain pattern to avoid the fire balls they shoot at you and yeah, like in a lot of these games, you're already concerned about your health going down, you know, or sometimes there's a food thing to worry about. But in Necro and Cadence, it's the time, the constant time pressure. It's actually really stressful. Yeah, it, it just adds one more layer of stressing the player out. 
to what's already a very stressful set of mechanics. <laughs> the game is not the normal movement that you'd expect for any like dungeon crawler or anything. So you actually have to play your controller. You have to press the buttons in time with your music. So if the music's going bop, 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 you have to hit the music. You have to hit your buttons at the same time. Otherwise, you lose the, lose the multipliers and stuff. So it's 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 very hectic because you can step like kind of run back and try to reevaluate every room if you want to, but you get really penalized for it. It forces you to basically act on command, and you, it's it's not just oh, what's the best way to put it? It's not just quick reflexes, but it's also reflexes while keeping in time which is just this strange concept that oddly works. Yeah, because depending on where you're at, the tempo of the music is different. And when you get stuck into the middle of like a firefight with like four or five enemies, you know, your first instinct is to button mash and, you know, and you lose your, your bonuses. And next thing you know, you're getting your ass handed to you. So it's, it's really cool to experience at least once. It's, it's definitely, even if you only play it once, it's worth, it's worth playing once. And it's really a matter of like, you know, up, down, stab, back, forward, stab, back. Like you get in a groove dodging enemies and getting around their patterns, and it's incredibly satisfying. I, I love both the games. The, the developer does great work with them. Oh, yeah, so. same. I, <laughs> I bought Necrodancer on Switch recently because I liked Cadence of Hyrule, and I wanted more of that and harder of that because cadence is not all that difficult unless you do the daily challenges which i've found are just bullshit every day and i don't bother with them anymore <laughs> it's one thing to be challenged and it's one thing for you know you can't beat four rooms well the thing is once you get past the first like little bit and you get a heart or something then cadence becomes a lot easier but there's one character that you unlock the the deku shrub who only has one heart playing with him is incredibly challenging but I don't know if that's worth it. So besides, actually, I, I want to keep going on Cadence for a minute because, well, how come, what else was it about Cadence that you didn't like as much as Necro? Because I think I actually prefer Cadence more than Necrodancer. Cadence has so that's probably theme. a lot more charm and, you know, it hits the, the nostalgia button of being a Zelda game pretty much. But uh, Necrodancer is a lot more challenging. It feels like it's deeper than Cadence of Hyrule in a lot of ways. Cadence has, you know, a big sprawling world. It's one massive singular adventure where if you die, you're still on that same adventure. You've got a lot of your loot or you or your unlockables, at least, stuff like that. Whereas Necrodancer is a refresh every time. Yeah, you earn a currency of diamonds to get access to new stuff in your runs, but you don't keep any of the stuff from a previous run if you died. You start fresh every time. Cadence doesn't really do that to you so much. I guess it's sort of a preference thing. I did I did appreciate Cadence being a massive adventure, but it also felt easier because of it. And I say massive, but I mean, it's not a huge game. People beat it in, what, under an hour? Yeah, I think if I was playing Cadence now, I could finish it in three hours, I think. It's not very long at all. And you're right, you can almost brute force it if you just get a few early unlockables and you just it doesn't matter if you die, you just keep going. But the reason I bring it up lately is they've added some DLC to it or updates. Uh, they added a new campaign. They took the villain and gave him his own campaign. But they also did like a dungeon mode where it's more of a theme like Necrodancer was, where it's just a no-name dungeon and you're going through the levels. Oh. So it's, it is a lot harder 
than uh, that used to be. Necro is still hands down the harder, more difficult game. But if you like the cadence charm and you like the feel of the characters and the other items add to it, definitely check it out again because that dungeon mode is fun. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I haven't touched it since before they did any of those updates. It's definitely a game I'm hoping they do a sequel, but Nintendo being Nintendo, who knows? But I love it. Well, I guess for me, uh, so I love many roguelikes and I'm a sucker for them. I'm willing to try almost any of them at least once, whether it's you know Diablo or, or Isaac or whatnot. Uh, but I also like the more classic style roguelikes as well. And the one I f- that really got me into the genre was Tome or Tales of Magial. There's this one, I can't remember, is it Dark God? I think is his handle. And he takes it so seriously. He's amazing. He's made this game, uh, te4.org is the website. So it's like three letters. And he made it in 2012. It's based on Java and at its core, it's a roguelike, right? The turn-based uh, movement, bumping into enemies to attack. But he's taken it to the next level by adding in how do you, how do you, uh, tactical abilities, I guess. Like one of the other games I love so much is Final Fantasy Tactics, right? I love Shining Force, the turn-based RPGs with you know area effect spells and various abilities and equipment and stuff. He's taken that style of combat and put it into a rogue game. So it still has those procedural dungeon levels, and you're working through that. But he's added in the ability to cast fireballs and and sword slashes and cyclone and cleave abilities and and all kinds of crazy wild stuff. There's at least 12 classes in the game and a whole bunch of races. Like he's taken the roguelike and just slapped so much on top of it. But not content with that, he also added a lot of lore. Like there's actually a story to his game. Tomb's got a pretty deep story for a game where on default is also permadeath. (laughs) So you die, you have to start from the beginning again. But to make it a little bit more accessible, he did add an adventure mode, which basically has um, lives. So, And you can unlock lives at certain milestones so that there's still the risk of permadeath, but it's a lot harder to do. But Tome is great, and it's been around since 2012, and he's still constantly doing updating of it. Uh, the base game has always been free, but he's done a few paid DLCs to, to fund development, and it's a one-guy shop. Uh, so it's one of my most favorite roguelikes. I don't know if you guys ever played that before. I've heard of it. I didn't know it was a roguelike. Oh, so... Yeah, so it is free on the website, but if you buy the Steam version, you get a, uh, a a GUI skin, a window skin. That's kind of his thing. Like he he's the engine itself is I want to say he open sourced it, so anybody can use it. And there's a few people who did mods based on the engine, but he wanted like fun development of something, so he put the game on Steam for for a low price. But you can still get it for free on the website. It's totally worth paying for, to be honest. There's there's hundreds of hours of content to play through. And like unlockable classes and stuff. Yeah. Okay. That sounds pretty cool, actually. I gotta check that out. Yeah. It's it's definitely a blast, and it's and it's the same. It's the ASCII style if you want to be, um, but at its base, he's he's got sprites that don't animate really. Uh, there is basic magical effects. Like the game is not going to win any beauty contests in terms of graphics, <laughs> but gameplay is just absolutely solid. I might have to revisit Dreadmore again after this. This conversation has me wanting to give that another shot. If you're on your Switch, there's one that came out uh, last year, and it just recently got the expansion, and that's, uh, oh, shoot, Tangle Deep? Hold on. <laughs> I got to make sure I'm saying this right, because Tangle Deep is one of my favorites recently, too. Let me check my mind palace. <laughs> Tangle Deep. Yeah, Tangle Deep. It's on Steam as well, but it's also on the Switch, and it's also very similar to Tome, but it has a lot more uh, better music. It has... Uh, 
anime-inspired sprites. There's animation. But it's the same idea. Procedural levels, random loot, just all kinds of characters and abilities to unlock and spells. It's just mind-blowing how much is there. Uh, and it's still that turn-based style. I really like the turn-based style of the rogue games. Um, for as, as much as I like roguelikes, like, you know, Minecraft or, or Dead Cells, I always greatly prefer dungeon diving, turn-based combat. That's my favorite. So I, I love it. Uh, Tangle Deep is definitely one to watch on the Switch. It goes on sale every so often. Is there any other games that you think we should probably highlight for this type of thing? I would like to throw an honorable mention at FTL. Oh, that's a good one. That's a game that a lot of people play too. FTL is one that I sunk a lot of time into when it first came out. And it, it's the music in it just sort of hypnotized me. So I lost time way too easily with that game. You know, I, <laughs> I'd, I'd play one run. One more turn, one more and turn. And then it would be an hour and a half later and I wouldn't even realize it. And I'd die and I'd be like, oh, I was so close, I can get it. And I'd do it again. And before I knew it, you know, four hours were gone. And I was like, what the hell did I just do? Yeah, I love that game because one of the last updates I got, it, it got... um story content or lore bits added to it by Chris Avalon who's a really famous game writer. Uh, he did uh, is it Planes of Torment I think is the game is. He's a fantastic writer. I want to say he did one of the follow games as well but I could be wrong. But he, he did writing some writing for FTL which is like a bizarre combination because FTL is great but it's not a game I would consider to have one with good story. But they, they hired him to do some copy. And I guess the other, I guess it would qualify as a roguelite, but not nearly as much, is uh, Moonlighter. It's a shop sim where you go into randomly generated dungeons and you have to collect loot to go sell at your shop. You save some of the, the loot for upgrades to be more powerful when you go into the dungeon again. So that's like the very edge of roguelite, but that's another fun one I've been digging on. I have to check out that one. I don't think I've ever heard of that one either. For anybody listening, if you're aware of Reseteer, it's like that, but a lot less anime. GP, how about you? Is there any other games that you think of when it comes to roguelikes? Uh, no, we've covered all the ones I can I can think of. But when you said <laughs> the words Final Fantasy tact, uh, Tactics, excuse me, uh, I immediately turned around to my my wall of games and was like, oh god. Please tell me I still have tactics, and I do. And now I'm thinking I need to play tactics. <laughs> that doesn't take much to motivate me to play it. Yeah, right, yeah. Well, I just I forget it exists because it's not numbered. And, you know, I think the last time I played it, I was young enough that I did not understand any of the story. But now I have to go back and play it again. But, uh, yeah, everybody check out Binding of Isaac. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry I couldn't contribute more on this one. No, I love listening to you guys. Like, I've learned a lot. And there's a lot of titles here that I've written down uh, in my memory palace that <laughs> I will have to, uh, I'll have to go and, and oh. check it out. I, I have one for Paul if he hasn't. Bring it. Streets Bring of it Rogue. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I've been playing the crap out of that with Paul. Yeah, this, that is a great game. Yeah, explain that one a little bit because people may not have heard of this one. It's kind of bizarre. It's a it's a super wacky dystopian setting. <laughs> and it's almost bordering steampunk. Yeah, it's kind no. of a a diesel punk sort of setting what? in some yeah. in some elements. You've got this dystopian city that's run by a corrupt mayor who apparently has outlawed chicken nuggets, I think was the plot. 
Yeah, yeah. And so you collect chicken nuggets as you complete quests through the game. Chicken nuggets are the new currency. They're the currency for unlocks, basically. So when you die, you've got X amount of chicken nuggets to unlock new quest rewards, new traits, things like that. And it doesn't play like a standard roguelike. It's not tile-based movement. It's not turn-by-turn. It's real-time. And it's got a bunch of different classes, and they're all extremely unique. And you just end up with some stupid, ridiculous situations the whole time you're playing, and it's hilarious. Yeah, depending on the character you play, it's a different outcome of what you have to do to get progressed through each level. So after that, you play through once, and you play through it again as another character. You have a completely different experience, but it's oddly satisfying at the same time. So you you kind of get more enticed to play it through a few times because it offers some variety each time. Thank Wolf, when I watched you play it the other week, were you a doctor using chloroform? on people <laughs> i was i was a doctor running around and tranking people and sneaking up behind people and chloroforming them into submission it's just truly bizarre i, I want to say a gorilla is another class mm-hmm. like there's a wide variety of classes in that game and it's pretty you funny. got hacker you got soldier you got jock who is basically just like a college bro <laughs> yeah there's gangs you can be a cop you can be a fireman you can be a mobster and they actually just released DLZ for it that added another six or seven classes or something. So now you can be an alien, you can be a mech pilot. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Do you actually get the mech? Uh, it's like a mini mech, I guess they classify it as. <laughs> you uh, you have to do different things to unlock different characters too. Yes. So it, there are different, like you can experience it each way. and It's just really cool. If it if it and anything piques your interest, that one's also another one worth checking out. Oh, you know what we should mention? We should talk about Rogue Legacy for a few minutes too. I was gonna mention that one. That's a fantastic one, right? That's that one's like your Castlevania style game, but it's procedurally generated. Yeah, that was probably uh, it's the one same of the four bosses. Yeah, it was probably one of the first successful Metroidvania style roguelikes. Right. Honestly, I think it's still probably one of the best. Maybe aside from Dead Cells. Wait, uh- Wait, I own that game, and I haven't played it. Now I have to install it. Rogue Legacy oh, is very it. good. Yeah, and the variations between the runs. You're playing a character, and when you it's permadeath, so when you die, you're playing the Descendant, right? And there's various variations of the Descendants, and they have traits. And the traits are, some of them are silly, like um, colorblind, so you see the world in black and white. Yeah, or... Um, there's one, what's the one where it's you can't see 3D? Oh, Stereo something right. or other? Uh... God, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, I'll... I can't remember the term, but when you turn, when you have that trait and you turn left or right, it's a 2D game, you flip. Yeah, your character <laughs> if flips, you're, if you're not flips a 3D like character. Paper Mario would instead of just turning the other yeah. direction. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. There's a there's a dwarf trait and you're shorter. There's an Amazon trait and you're taller. Uh, it's, it's a wild game. It's a lot of fun. I think they're also doing a sequel, I believe, they're working on. Oh, really? In a different graphic style, but same idea. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have so many traits. Like, some of them you'll find, like, this character is part dragon. You know, this character sees everything upside down, or this character can only see so far. And so you have a sort of fog of war around the character at all times. It, it's great. And, like, the, the unlocks in that one, you do... You find equipment or runes or something, and you slowly unlock abilities that are similar to what you find in Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, uh, you know, like Air Dash and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, spells and and sub items and it's it's a blast it's totally great to play through i never did finish it though it's also really hard well i just installed it and i'm playing that as soon as we're done i think i did finish that back in the day but they may have added more content since then because that one i got pretty much when it came out yeah i'm trying to think it's been out for a while it was definitely one of the uh, uh, early wave of roguelike popularity been out for about six years at this point because it came out when my kid was still a baby. All right. Anybody have any final thoughts? I'm going to try Rogue Legacy as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Me, I'm going to get on this Roblox action. I got to check that out. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you you can hate, but it's there's some cool stuff in there. Like, <laughs> I, it's not what the episode's about, but look up look up Piggy. Like, it's it's creepy, but it's fun. It's get out of the house before this person with a knife finds you. Also, the person is a giant pig in a nightgown. That doesn't sound like something your children should be playing. Please don't press B to cancel. does not invite you to leave your house. Wait, what? <laughs> un- un- unless there is a giant pig with a night- wearing a nightgown wielding a knife at you, then please get out. But at all times, stay at least six feet away. Yeah, socially distanced from that piggy. Two, two meters. <laughs> Thank you for speaking Canadian. Or rest of the world. Right? Like, you own the metric system? Gosh, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's recognized it. That's the oh, first step. Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, my God. Oh. Okay, so that's a roguelike. Kind of, yes. Toe Jam and Earl is somewhat of a roguelite. Holy crap. Well, I completely understand the category now. Can we redo this whole thing? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, if you just said Toe Jam and Earl. <laughs> I always forget about that one. The hell is that sound effect from again? It's it's from Solstice on the NES. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the death care. I, I stole that from Gmail. I apologize, yeah. Gmail. But yeah, Tojam and Earl, classic rogue game for yeah. sure. Because the present system where you get the items and it's different each time. It's like the potions from the from a lot of other games. It's totally a rogue. It's like an action roguelike that's purely potions as your gear. And that's it. You get yeah. level ups because you do get experience, but all that does is give you more health and sometimes an extra life. But that game is really hard when you do the random world. The fixed world is always the same, but if you go random, you're in for some messes sometimes. Yeah, I, I when I first beat it, I did the, the fixed world. So I was doing that retro challenge a couple years ago, and that's how I could beat it. And I, I love doing the random mode, but you're such at the mercy of RNG. <laughs> like... One minute you'll find Santa Claus and you get his presents, and the next, nope. Tornadoes, tornadoes, boogie Ben. The game is hilarious. Boogie, 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 boogie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's the mailbox monster. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Wolf, where can people find you outside the mailbox? Pretty much right now. Bug me on Twitter or bug me on Discord. I am not streaming as of right now, but I will be back. All right. And GP, where can folks find you? You can find me on The Therapy Couch on Twitch. You can find me as The Retro Therapy on YouTube and Twitter. Twitter, sorry, Twitter. Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> or you can find me on Google trying to figure out Elon Musk's child's name. I just figure it's another Magic the Gathering spinoff that he's trying to put together. That's all. Have you guys seen the name that he named this kid? No. X, X one and a half, five, something. six, or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you got to look it up. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a little mad at him because he he beat me to it. If I had a third kid, that's what I was planning on naming mine. <laughs> so, you heard it here first, folks. 
Probably not. And where can people hear more of Pulse 109? We have quite the backlog of, uh, back catalog of episodes here. I press B to cancel. No. <laughs> you can hear, find me here. Find me in Discord, of course, and the press B to cancel Discord, which you can also find on our website. And I've been known to stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pulse 109, P-A-L-S-H 109. And you can find me, Sick Jake, over on the Twinters, S-I-C-J-A-K-E. S-I-N-C-J-A-N-K. Sick Jake. No! Oh, shit, wrong button. I meant the other one. I meant the other one. Thank you, everybody. Till next week. Wait, wait. Special thanks for music go to Arthur the Ancient found on SoundCloud or The Last Ancient on YouTube. For more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Press B to cancel.